about when we've been in this series. Next, the best is yet to come. Tell somebody, the best is yet to come. You may not think so, but it is, and I'm here to tell you it is, and we welcome you to Capital City Church today. If you're a first-time guest with us, we say welcome. We're glad you're here. We hope it's the first of many, and uh, we're excited about it. We just say to you, welcome home, and uh, we're glad that you're here today. If you're watching online, uh, whether you're at home or, or uh, traveling or whatever, we want to say welcome to you. Come on, Capital City Church. Give them a great big welcome. We're glad you've joined us today. Amen. And uh, God bless you so much, and we look forward to uh, having you back here in the room when you're able to do that. And uh, today we're continuing this series. In fact, this is the last week of this series called Next. And our theme verse comes out of Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. It says, if my people can't see what God is doing, they will stumble. Listen, we've been learning in, in this message series, the only way we're going to really know what God is doing is dive into the Word and see what He tells us and follow His plan. But if we don't see what His plan is, we're going to stumble all over ourselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, they are most blessed. How many of you want to be blessed this morning? Amen? Amen. That word blessed is also translated uh, the word happy, which is also kind of interchangeable with the word fulfillment. And that's where we're headed today. We're going to talk about finding fulfillment in life. The psalmist said in chapter 16, verse 11, you will show me the way of life. Lord, you will show me how to find fulfillment in life. You will, you will grant me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you Forever, And I have to say that this morning I have certainly already enjoyed the joy of God's presence. Amen. I'm so thankful for God and his, his help and his hope and his presence that gives us strength every day. Well, we've been talking about how our mission is to help people find four things. Everybody say four things. And those four things are we're helping them find God, find freedom, find purpose, and find fulfillment. The first thing that we're called to do as a church, the very first thing and the most important thing is to help people find a relationship with God, help people come to God and begin to develop a relationship with Him and begin to grow in Him. And we know that if we help them find God, that they then can begin to learn how to find freedom in life. How many of you just like to have some freedom? Come on, can I get a good amen this morning? And we know that if we go deeper in the love and in the blood of Christ, that he can free us. His stripes will heal us from every hurt, habit, hang up, if we will allow him to do that. Last week, we talked about how God has a purpose for every one of us. He knew you before you were ever born. He knew you before you were ever in the womb. He designed a plan just for you. You were planned. You were, you were born on purpose. In fact, you were born on purpose for a purpose. Write that down somewhere. You were born on purpose for a purpose. So our job here, our calling, our mission at Capital City Church is to help people find God find freedom, find purpose, and find fulfillment. And today, I want to talk to you about what we mean by finding fulfillment. 
I want to read that verse 29, 18 out of the, out of the uh, book of Proverbs, out of the King James Version, perhaps uh, the most familiar to some who have heard this verse preached on before and, and, and uh, heard this verse read before. I grew up uh, uh, kind of on the King James, and I love what it says here because I want you to notice one particular word that's very important when we are to find fulfillment in life. It says, where there is no vision the people perish. In other words, if we do not see a vision of what God wants us to do and what his plan is for our life, we're going to perish. We're going we're to stumble. We're going to fall. But he that keepeth the law, we're going to talk about that. Actually, we're going to close out the sermon talking about that. Happy is he. Everybody say happy. happy. Come on, everybody say happy. happy. Are you happy today? Come on, tell your face about it. huh? I can't really tell. Some of you have a mask on. Just pull it down real quick and give me a big old smile so I can see your smile. Amen? Oh, that's great. Happy is he. We used to sing a song years ago. I don't know. I, I, I think maybe uh, it was a kid song. I don't know. Maybe uh, we sang it a couple times for fun as a, as, a, as a quartet, but it says, We are happy people. Praise the Lord. You ever heard that? For we have the Bible, God's own word. Satan had a hold of me. Jesus came and set me free. Now I have the victory. Oh, praise the Lord. Huh? Come on, huh? How many of you just want to be happy in life? Oh, that was terrible. Don't clap for me. Come on. Well, what I want you to understand is the only way we're ever going to have happiness in life is if we find fulfillment. If we find the purpose that God has for us, and we follow through in fulfilling his call on our life. I was reading the other day about Elvis Presley. I don't know if you, some of you are too young to remember Elvis Presley. And I was just a young boy when he passed away. Uh, I don't want to make myself too old anyway. Uh, but uh, I don't know if you knew this, but he sold 250 million Albums Is that incredible? He made 33 movies. I mean, if you, there's so many movies available. You, you could walk around or, or scroll around on your, on your streaming services and probably find out. I just saw two or three yesterday. I, I forget what streaming service it was, an Elvis movie. Uh, he was said to have had, watch this, over 1 billion fans worldwide. I mean, here's a guy that understood what it meant to be successful, right? He was the, what do we call him? The king of rock and roll, right? And when Elvis died, it was in 1977. I'll never forget that day. We were traveling, and, and Dad loved Elvis because Elvis had a couple gospel albums, and, and we would always play those gospel albums. Anybody ever have an Elvis gospel album in your house and play that? And uh, there was a reason why he had some gospel albums, uh, there were about 300 Elvis impersonators at that time. And today it says there's over 20,000 Elvis impersonators. Now you think of someone that was that popular, someone that had that much success, someone that had that much people that would literally just throw themselves at him and, and, and give him accolades and, and literally probably worship him, that he would have been satisfied in life. But Elvis Presley wasn't at all. In fact, there was a Reader's Digest article I brought with me, just a little excerpt from it. It says this, in spite of his enormous success, Elvis was basically an unfulfilled, miserable man. Elvis's fruitless search for a source of significance led to his death from obesity and drug dependence at the age of 42. His wife Priscilla commented on, it, on this saying, Elvis never came to terms with who he was meant to be or what his purpose in life was. 
Think about that for a moment. He thought he was here for a reason, maybe to preach. He thought maybe he was here to serve, or maybe he was here to help get people saved, or maybe he was here to care for people. Now remember, this is his wife saying these things. And that agonizing desire was always with him, and he knew it wasn't fulfilling. So he would go on stage so he wouldn't have to think about it anymore. Well, that right there is proof that success does not bring significance. That money does not bring fulfillment. And what a sad commentary on a life that achieved and accomplished much more than maybe many of us ever will in the world's eyes, but failed, failed to ever discover his purpose. I don't know if you realize this, uh, it, but it wasn't a secret that after every concert, he would go backstage and he would have a, a gospel quartet. The, the, the stamps were there many times. And, and he would just sit by the piano. I've literally seen videos of Elvis sitting in his, his dressing room before or after his concert. And they would be there singing gospel songs. And he would just weep like a baby, just cry and weep and weep because he knew this isn't the end of it. But I'm here to tell you this morning that none of us need to wonder because every one of us can find God's purpose in the word that he has written to us. Now we live in America. We live in a place where our mantra is the pursuit of happiness, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I think that that's a good thing. I think that we should pursue those things as long as it is in line with Scripture. Because if it's not in line with Scripture, it all becomes meaningless. Now, I was telling the, the, the team uh, before, when we were meeting before church, that we're going to get a little bit uh, depressed before we get happy, okay? Is that okay with you? Because I want to look into God's Word. We're going to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. If you have your Bibles, you can look with me in Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes is, I, I'm just going to be honest with you, it's kind of a depressing book. It, it starts out by talking about how that we can build kingdoms and we can have industry and all of these things and, and we can pursue our own way and pursue success and pursue all that, but it's all all for nothing. It's all meaningless. In fact, in chapter 1, verse 14, he says, uh, I have seen all things that are done under the sun, and all of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. And over and over in the book of Ecclesiastes, we see him talking about the chasing after the wind. It's interesting because that word meaningless, I want you to circle that in your notes if you're following along. That word meaningless is the Hebrew word hevel. Everybody say hevel. That's H-E-V-E-L. You can write it down if you want. That's actually the word that he's using. And the word really, really means more than just, than just meaningless. That really doesn't give it the, 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 the meaning. That's the only way that we could come up with a word in the English language to kind of to, to uh, parallel what the, the writer was saying. That word basically means a vapor or a smoke, something that you can't catch on to, something that you can't nail down. I, I often put it like this, kind of like nailing jello to a wall, right? And it's used 38 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. And basically what he says over and over and over is, hevel, hevel, everything is utterly hevel. Everything is utterly meaningless. <laughs> Well, that's kind of sad, isn't it? 
So I thought maybe right now you kind of needed a happy story. You ready for a happy story? I just heard this not too long ago. Now, I grew up in South Florida, and, and I knew that there was dog races. I'd never been to a dog race before. Anybody ever been to a Greyhound dog race before? Okay, so maybe you already know this. You'll already know the punchline, perhaps. But, but I, I always wondered, how do they get those dogs to run? I mean, what do they do? They put, you know, I don't see any carrot in front of them. You remember the old carrot and the stick? You put it in front of them. How do they get those? But uh, if you've ever been to one, you know that there's actually a rabbit that they chase, a mechanical rabbit, and it's on a tree. Track and, and they chase that rabbit, and that rabbit leads them around the track. And these, these dogs naturally want to catch it. They naturally want to grab a hold of it. Kind of reminds me of Daniel and Caitlin's dog, an awesome dog, Dakota. Loves to chase stuff, loves to, loves to go get it and, and bring it back. Now, my dog will go get it, but she won't bring it back. She just growls at me, no, you can't touch it now. That's my toy. But dogs love to chase things. So uh, as I was reading this, it says, uh, the speed of the rabbit is controlled by a man in the press box who keeps the rabbit just in front of the dogs. And one time in Florida, everyone was ready for the big race, and the starting gun went off, and the man in the press box pushed the lever, and the cages opened, and the dogs took off. So, so far, everything's just like it should be, right? But just as the rabbit went around the first bend, an electrical short caused it to stop and to explode and to burst into flames. <laughs> now, I don't know why I find that funny. Maybe you think that's terrible, but it was a mechanical rabbit, okay? It wasn't real. But, I mean, it literally just exploded in front of them. Well, now the dogs have nothing to, to follow, right? So it said, no longer having a rabbit to chase, the dogs had no idea what to do. Some of them just laid down on the track. <laughs> it says that two of them ran into a wall and broke some ribs. Well, that's kind of sad. We won't laugh about that. One just chased his tail for a while. He didn't know what to do, so he just kind of chased his tail for a while. And some just kind of sat there and howled at the spectators. <laughs> and it says that not a single dog finish the race. Why? Their rabbit disappeared and they were chasing the wrong thing. It kind of reminds me of a, uh, of a quote from John Maxwell. He would always say, you know, a lot of us are pursuing success and we're climbing the ladder and we're, we're, putting, uh, we're doing everything we can to, to push everybody down so we can get to the top of the ladder. And when we get to the top of the ladder, unfortunately, we find that it's leaning up against the wrong building. Right? So in the pursuit of happiness, the Ecclesiastes writer says that there's ways that, that the world tells us that we're supposed to chase happiness, chase the rabbit. There's a, there's a way that the world tells us to do that. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first one is pleasure. The first one is pleasure. We see it in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10. It said, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, watch this, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was hevel. Everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, a chasing after the rabbit. Nothing was gained under the sun. 
What's he saying? He's saying if all you are doing is chasing pleasure, if all you're doing is, is denying yourself nothing but, but accepting everything and, and just what, watching anything you want to watch, going anywhere you want to go, buying anything you want to buy, doing anything you want to do, if that is your goal, if your goal is just to have pleasure, pleasure, it's going to be just like chasing the wind. I want to tell you something. If you're chasing that rabbit, there's going to be a day very soon that it's going to explode. And there's not going to be anything to follow. And you're going to have to just sit down and go, what now? He talks about in chapter 2, if you're taking notes, there are my own pursuits. He said, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. All of it is hevel. Here it is again, the chasing after the wind. Do you understand what he's saying? It's like trying to nail jello to the wall. It's try, trying, to, trying to put a pin in the wind and hold it right here. And what I find is every time I try to do that, it gets away from me because it's nothing. It's hevel. It's meaningless. And then the third one, and if you read this book, there's a bunch of them, but they, I'm giving you three, is possessions, if you're taking notes. Ecclesiastes 5.10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This, too, is meaningless. This, too, is like chasing after the wind. Write this down. I will never be satisfied making a dollar when my purpose is to make a difference. I will never be satisfied to make a dollar because God gave me a purpose to make a difference. I've seen people who are literally multi-multi-millionaires. I had a friend in South Florida that owned, I believe it was six or seven homes, and every one of them were worth over a million dollars. One of them was right on the ocean worth seven million dollars. Just think about that for a moment. But he was miserable. And I would tell him about Jesus, and I would invite him to church. And, and, and one time he told me, you know what? He said, someone else will have to go to church for us. I've got other things to do. God help us. We did everything we could to lead him to Jesus. And my prayer is that before he passed away, that he did find the hope of Christ. But, you know, it, it's like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't what? Make him drink. Well, the Bible leads us to the water of life. And that's my job as a pastor. My job is to bring you to the bread of life, to the water of life, and allow you to see that God has more for you. And so that's what I want to talk about for just a moment. And I want to look at a story of Jesus. Jesus gives us a great example of what it means to live a fulfilled life. I want to talk about living beyond myself. And the story comes out of John chapter 13, verse 1 says, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. And what he began to do is do a, a physical picture of what love for one another really looks like. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. The first one is this. Living beyond myself means serving others. But serving others actually means putting others first. Serving others actually puts me first, I should say. 
What do you mean by that? Well, Jesus, in verse 4, got up from the meal that night. You remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about how that was the night that he, they broke bread and they gave communion. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, the disciples didn't like this. The disciples didn't understand this. Jesus was their leader. Jesus was their king. And here he is, taking the towel and the basin and washing their feet. You say, why washing feet? Well, let me just put it this way. If I were to say to you right now, I have brought several basins with me, and I'm going to ask each of you to find a stranger or someone that you know even, and I'm going to ask you to have them remove their shoes and their socks and wash their feet. How many of you, like me, would probably run for the hills right now, huh? <laughs> In fact, some of you are very nervous right now. You're like, this, is, this pastor always has illustrations. I'm a little bit scared right now. I think I probably should have watched it. And those that are watching online, you go, boy, I'm so glad I'm watching online right now. <laughs> right? And I'm just going to be honest with you. That's exactly how I would feel if I were in, no pun intended, if I were in your shoes. Thank you very much. It was humbling both to Jesus and the disciples. Because let me in on a little secret. As much as it would be difficult for me to wash someone else's feet, I don't want them washing my feet. <laughs> Now, some people might be okay with feet. I think feet are gross. I'm just going to tell you, feet are gross. I'm just going to put it right out there and tell you, I think that feet are gross. How many of you are with me? You'll just say, come on, Pastor, I'm just going to be with you. Feet are gross right now. And you just wish I'd just move along. But Jesus was putting a message here. He was saying, listen, I am going to bow low, and I'm going to take the towel. <laughs> and I'm going to serve you. Why? Jesus, why would you do that? Look what he says. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Here's what we don't get. The world doesn't get this, but we, we get it because Jesus made it very clear. When I serve others, when I serve you, that blesses me. When I, if, if you want to be first, strive to be last. Because serving others literally puts you first. So the last, he says, will be first, and the first will be last. Well, that takes us right into the second one, because I know you're probably saying this with me. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> this does not make sense to me. I, I don't get it. If serving others puts me first, I don't get this. What, what is this? And, and if you're asking that question, you're not the first one. 
But it's what Jesus wanted them to see. That we did not come to be served, and he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And if we really want to find fulfillment in life, if we really want to find happiness, the happiest times in life is when I'm giving my life to others. There's some reasons why we don't serve, but there's some reasons why we say, you know, I, I don't know if I want to do that. Some people say, well, I, I thought you needed to know a lot of the, about the Bible before you could serve. And, and I'm going to tell you, no, you just have to be willing. Some people say, I, I didn't really know the church needed me. I want to tell you something. The church needs you and the church needs me. Come on, tell the person beside you, the church needs you. Come on, let's pull an Uncle Sam. You remember that? I need you. The church needs you. Why? Because you are a part of the body. It would be like saying, you know what? I don't really need my left hand. I've got a right hand. I'm good to go. In my right hand, well, that's not fair. Then I have to do all the work, right? In fact, everybody just hold out both hands, would you? Just real quick. Hold them out real quick. Now, just tell me. Raise the one that you're willing to cut off right now. Just raise the one you're willing to. Nobody's raising their hand. I, I don't know. Nobody wants to cut off their hand. But we do that in the church. We cut ourselves off from the church. And what I want you to know is that, that even though it doesn't make sense, it, it really does bring happiness and fulfillment because in so doing, I bring the beautiful, full picture of Christ to the world around me. You understand that the church cannot be a full picture of Christ without you. Without you, it will be a church without a hand or a foot or a knee or a leg. None of us on our own can be the body. So here it is. None of us alone can be a picture of the body of Christ. We need you together. And together, serving, we can show the world who Jesus is. Some people say, well, I'm just too busy. I'm trying to balance my job. I'm trying to balance my family. I'm trying to balance my career. I didn't know ministry would, would would, would positively influence my life. I didn't understand that. Well, let me ask you this. What is more important, in light of what I read you from Elvis' story, prominence or significance? Because the Ecclesiastes author says, the world wants you to chase prominence, to be noticed, to be seen. Jesus said, I want you to wash each other's feet. I want you to serve each other. In other words, The nose is prominent, but the heart is significant, right? I want you to be significant in life. And many times, the most significant servants are not the ones you see. I just want right now to give a shout out to some people that I think are the heroes of Capital City Church. And I'm going to start with some that you may not even know who this person is. You may not even know that they do this, but I'm going to give a shout out to our nursery workers and our nursery director, Doris Petit, because guess what? If she wasn't doing what she was doing, I couldn't do what I'm doing right now. Amen? It's totally behind the scenes. How many of you say, Pastor, could we just do a pause? I'd love to go change some diapers. Come on. Can I get some recruits? Huh? There are here. How many of you just give a hand for people who are willing to come to church and change some dirty diapers? Come on. Can we just give them a big old hand right now? 
How about the ushers? They're willing to just stand up and, 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 and nobody else is standing, but they got to stand and everybody's got to look at them and they got to go around and say, alms for the poll, you know? <laughs> Boy, this is, just, this is embarrassing. Now we got to walk because of COVID. We got to walk down every aisle, you know, and hold the bucket. And how about them ushers? Come on, give them a hand. We appreciate you guys, huh? Hey, how about these musicians that are kind of behind the scenes? They're kind of back here in the dark. Do you know it takes so much? They don't just show up and play a song. They've got to work on that. They've got to practice that. I mean, we've got one of them over here in a cage. I mean, what do we say to these guys? We've got to give our musicians a big hand. We love these guys, huh? Amen. How about, did you know we have a volunteer group that cleans toilets? How many of you know these people need a big old hand? Come on, let's just love on them, huh? Every Thursday, they come in here and volunteer to, to clean bathrooms and, the, and to sweep and do this stuff so that you can come in and enjoy a clean church on Sunday. Come on, we need to give them another big hand. I mean, come on. Now, here's what I want you to know about every ones that I've mentioned. There might be a few that wouldn't feel this way, but every one of them would be completely embarrassed if I called them up right now and put, and put them on the, in the spotlight and made them stand in front of everybody because that's not why they do it. They're not about prominence. They're about significance. Do you understand what I'm saying? And see, they wanted to take Jesus and they wanted to put him on a throne and they wanted to put a real crown on his head and they, they wanted to put the, robe, the royal robes on him and they wanted him to stay. And he said, no, no, I came to serve. I came to love. I came to give my life. And that's what I'm asking you to do. And if you will give your life, if you will carry your cross, he says, and follow me, you will find true happiness and fulfillment. No wonder it doesn't make sense, amen? But I'm here to tell you from experience, if we will get a hold of this principle and we will allow God to lead us into areas where we can serve and where we can make a difference, you truly will find fulfillment in life. It's the truth of God's word. Look what Jesus said. He replied, you don't realize it now what I'm doing, but later you're going to understand. It doesn't make sense, Lord. What are you doing? He said, just hold on. It will make sense. Just hang in there. You'll get it. Look what Jesus did in Matthew 20. He called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It doesn't make sense but it's worth it. The third thing, if you're taking notes, serving others is your ultimate calling. I don't care if this is your first time to church. I don't care if this is your first time to hear about Jesus 
or you grew up in the church. I don't care who you are. God created every person, past, present, and future. He has created every one of us to make a difference in the lives of those around us. It is your ultimate calling. And it's his goal. It is his goal from the moment that you can understand any words, the moment that you can walk and talk. It is his goal to lead you into a place where you understand your purpose and understand your calling and find fulfillment in loving others and loving God with all of your heart. He has a design for you. Look at John 13, 14. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, here's what I want you to do. Go and wash one another's feet. Now I know that there have been some men's groups and and, and some ladies' groups that have actually had times where they plan to get together and literally, literally wash one another's feet. But that's, and I, I, those are some really intimate times, and, and, and I'm, I'm for that. That's, that's a good thing to do. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that literally, but, but Jesus wasn't literally, there's no way that they could wash everybody's feet. So what was he saying? He was saying, go out there and humble yourselves before the people. Quit trying to be all that. Quit trying to be successful. Quit trying to be, quit trying to be everybody's uh, Instagram favorite. Quit trying to be everybody's, uh, everybody's uh, you know, quit trying, to, quit trying to be Bernie and just be yourself. Amen, huh? Come on, it just had to be said. Come on, it had to be said. Anybody that has social media knows exactly what I'm talking about. Quit trying to get noticed. Quit trying to be prominent. Just serve one another. Just serve. And I have to say, with everything that the disciples went through after Jesus went back to heaven, ending in death and martyrdom, with all of that, I find them singing and praising God and loving each other and getting people saved and baptizing people and creating the first church that is still alive and well today, I see a group of people who said, well, if that's what Jesus wants us to do, that's what we're going to do, and we're just going to serve others. Mark chapter 8, verse 35, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. That's what we're all about, giving up our life for the sake of the good news. And then number four, the last one, serving others brings absolute fulfillment. Serving others brings absolute fulfillment. It says in verse 17, now that you know these things, watch this, you will be blessed, you will be happy, you will be fulfilled if you do them. Now we've been on this journey for a reason and this is why. My prayer as your pastor is that every one of you will be blessed beyond measure. My my prayer as your pastor is that every one of you will find happiness and fulfillment. You say, well pastor, that seems kind of shallow. No, it doesn't. Because I know where it starts. Finding God and finding freedom, finding my purpose, and then finding fulfillment by serving others. 
It's kind of like when the Bible said, bless those who curse you. How can I do that? Pray for your enemy. That makes no sense. There's a whole lot of things that Jesus said that make no sense. But let me tell you how you can pray for your enemy. Let me tell you how you can honestly, with integrity, ask God to bless your enemy, to make your enemy happy, to make your enemy fulfilled. Are you ready for it? Some of you have struggled with this. Some of you said, I don't... Lord, I don't want to pray for my enemy to be blessed. I don't want to pray for my enemy to be happy. I don't want to, I don't want them to be happy. I want them to be sad. I want them to be, I want them to, I want them to pay. So how can I do that? Jesus knew that if we pray that our enemy will be blessed, it starts back here with finding God. Because the only way they will be blessed is if they're blessable. And the only way they will be blessable is if they find God and find freedom find their purpose and find fulfillment and in that moment they will be blessable so when you pray lord bless my enemy what you're really playing it praying is lord please help my enemy to find god please lord help my enemy to find freedom in their life help them to find their purpose and help them to find fulfillment and know what the meaning of life is really about and when you say those simple words lord bless my enemy bless my enemy What you're saying is, Lord, help them to find you. Help them to find their freedom, find purpose and fulfillment. Jesus said, now that you know these things, you're going to be blessed. The Hebrew writer said it like this in chapter 6, verse 10. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other Christians. Matthew 25, 21, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? So in serving others, in washing their feet, in humbling ourselves, in following him, find fulfillment so here is the bookend to this series remember where there is no vision the people perish if we do not see what God has for us we're going to stumble but if we do see what he has for us we will be blessed right so how do we do that Psalm 119 35 Lord make me walk along the path of your commands For that is where my what? My happiness is found. That is where my fulfillment is found. Now stick with me. Come on. Stick with me. Circle that word commands. And here they are. It's very simple. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Serve them. Find God. Find freedom in Him. Find your purpose. And act it out so that you will find fulfillment. So let me read it in that context. Lord, make me walk along the path of loving you with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. Lord, make me walk the path of loving my my, my neighbor as myself. For that, Lord, is where my happiness is found. 
I want you to stand and sing as Caitlin leads us. I just want this to make this our benediction time of prayer for this series, Our Hearts Cry. If you can find it in your heart somewhere, I don't know where you are in that, in that walk of life. I don't know where you are in those four things. I know every one of us in this room or somewhere on that spectrum. Every one of us. So here's all you need to pray this morning. Lord, I just want you to know, no matter what, I'm available. No matter what, Lord, I'm here for you. No matter what, Lord, I am yours. Will you lead us in that song, Caitlin, and let's sing with her. that we would be born 
that where we would live, where we would worship, Lord, you put all of us here now in this church. Lord, we just want to say, use us. Use us in ways, Lord, that we've never imagined. Lord, we want our lives to count. We want our lives to matter. Lord, we want our lives to have significance. Lord, I pray that our lives would count for your kingdom. So right now, Lord, we want your message in this world to be that you love them and we love them. Father, we we all have a role to play. Every one of us. Use us. Use us. Lord, you said that you're looking for people to use. And we say, Lord, to you, here I am. I am available. Here I stand in your presence. I am yours. Lord, we pray this together in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Come on, can we just sing the bridge to that chorus together?
receive morning tithes and offerings. Come on, give the ushers a big old hand right now, huh? They got to stand up. <laughs> oh, that's great. Praise his name. Tell somebody, I'm glad I came to church today, would you? Amen. Let me pray a blessing over the offering. Lord, I pray again a blessing over everyone that gives. Your word promised that if we give, you will give to us over and above what we could ask or think. Lord, you said, test me now in this and see if I won't fill your barns if you're generous with me. And I pray, Lord, that we would take that test this morning. We would take that challenge. And I pray your blessing upon every person as they give in this offering. And I pray, Lord, that it would be used for your kingdom, your glory, your honor in everything we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just a couple things I want to make you aware of. Uh, if you're watching online, uh, you'll see on the screen you can give uh, at capcitychurch.live. Actually, if you go to capcitychurch.live slash giving, it will give you all the options. So you can go to that one place and it'll give you all the options. Growth Track, you saw in the announcement uh, video that Growth Track is coming up in February. The signups are right back in the back at the uh, uh, information center. So if you're interested, What's Growth Track? Growth Track is where I spend four Sundays with you. I feed you after church. You stay after church, we'll feed you. Ah, come on now, I'm gonna give you free food. And then we'll talk about how to find freedom, how to find God, find freedom, find purpose, and find fulfillment. That's what I'm gonna talk about. And I'm gonna give you uh, some, some more insights into who we are as a church and uh, who you are as God's creation and what your purpose is and help you find that purpose and help you find your gifts and talents. And I'm so excited. I love this time. I love spending time with you, getting to know you. And uh, if you've not already signed up, if you've never taken Growth Track, I encourage you to sign up for that. I would love to spend some time with you for four Sundays together. You can sign up back at the Information Center. If you have recently given your heart to the Lord and you would like to join in on the discipleship, the Purpose Driven Life book is what we take you through. It's very simple. We give you that book for free and uh, we uh, uh, walk through it with you. So if you will meet uh, Pastor David back at the Information Center and ask him, come on, everybody turn around, give a big old wave, Pastor David, all right. Yep, all right, God bless you. And uh, also, how about another uh, job that's behind the scenes uh, that gets not enough credit, and that is our online pastor, Pastor Scott. He's always over here on this side. Come on, give him a big old hand. We love you, Pastor Scott. You're awesome. Now, he, for one, he'd be all right if I brought him up and embarrassed him, so I'm just going to leave him back there. So anyway, uh, I love you guys. I really do. I don't say that enough. I love you. God loves you. This is the best church in the world. The best is yet to come. Amen? All right. God bless you. Do an elbow or a fist bump. Let people know you love them. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>